This is episode number 203 with Young Australian of the Year, Will Smith. Welcome to the Sota Process Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Evans, a fitness professional and trainee, high performance and mindset coach. Every week, we bring to you a state-of-the-art person or idea that will help you to make an impact and live your purpose. Thank you for tuning in today. Now let's define our greatness and be state-of-the-art. Sotarians, welcome back to the Sota Process Podcast, and we have a very special guest joining us today, which I'm quite excited about, obviously. Um, Will Smith is joining me, not the Will Smith from all of the movies, but Will Smith from Tasmania, and he actually won um, Tasmanian Young Australian of the Year a couple of years ago for all of the work that he does in the youth development space, which is what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Now, just a little backstory on Will. He's actually um, a police officer from Tasmania. Um, and a few years ago, he started to get involved in the youth development space. And over the past few years, that's really, really evolved to the point where he's now pretty much working part time, if any at all, for the police force. And he's focusing full time on his businesses, um, JCP and the Beast program, which is helping at risk youth to find empowerment again, and not only get back to baseline, but go above and beyond. And this is something you'll find in this episode. It was really, really inspiring because Will talks about, I think there was there was about seven or eight kids, I think he mentioned, that um, he's coached that are now in leadership positions in their schools, like school captains and stuff like that. Whereas previously they were you know, living on the streets, committing crimes, doing drugs, all sorts of crazy stuff. And they're literally now school captains after going through his program. So it's a really inspiring talk. Will also talks about how he went to the Middle East and was in active war zones and combat zones and how he was um, basically coaching kids over there that were subject to potentially being recruited by ISIS and Islamic State and all of that sort of stuff. So um, some pretty crazy stories in there, but Will dropped some absolute truth bombs in this one, guys especially around proximity being power and you being the average of the five people you spend the most time with, sorry, the five people you spend the most time with, which again is something that I've spoken about many times in this podcast before. And that's one of the ways that Will actually helps um, the people he coaches to find empowerment in their life, especially the at-risk youth. He really has a big passion for that, which you guys will see in this episode. Um, you, you can just hear it in Will's voice. You can hear the passion. He's a really, really special human, and I'm so grateful to have connected with connected with him in this way. Um, I know this definitely won't be the last time I connect with Will. Hopefully, um, if, if, if everything goes to plan, I'm going to be going to Tasmania later this year, so it'd be pretty cool to link up with him there and actually meet him in person, which would be pretty cool. So yeah, guys, I know you are definitely going to take a lot of value from this episode. If you guys do, um, be sure to take a screenshot of this one, post it on your Instagram story, tag myself and tag Will as well so that we, uh, so that we know you're listening. The links to all of Will's content will be down in the show notes for you guys to check out as well, like his Instagram, Facebook, JCP, the youth development programs, everything will be there. So if you guys know someone that needs to get involved or if you want to support Will in any way, make sure you check out the show notes and click on his links there. All right, guys, 
Get ready for this one. Here is the one and only, oh, I shouldn't say one and only because he's not the one and only, but for Australia, the one and only Will Smith. Welcome back to the Soda Process Podcast Legends. We have uh, Tasmanian Young Australian of the Year, Will Smith, joining me today. Not the Will Smith from all the movies that you see, but Young Australian of the Year. So, Will, thank you very much for coming on today. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. Keen to be here, keen to share. Yeah, I'm super excited for this one, as I mentioned before. So, uh, for those that don't know you, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and your story? Uh, yeah, 100%. So uh, I'm from Tasmania. Uh, for those of you who don't know that tiny little apple oil at the bottom of Australia, um, I grew up uh, in the north of the state. Um, I grew up sort of a, a bit at risk. Uh, my background um, was mostly spent in a shed. So I spent eight years living in a small tin shed in a bush block up here in northern Tassie. Uh, we didn't have any electricity, no running water, uh, you know, fairly well cut off. Um, I transitioned into a pretty large school to try and get away from a bad social group that I was spending time with here in Tassie. Um, and then through that school found uh, at the end of year nine some leadership opportunities, which led into a whole range of uh, opportunities uh, as a young person to try and uh, flip my script of life around a little bit. Um, and my transition out of school into policing. So um, I've spent the last uh, almost 10 years working as a police officer the last few years. Uh, as a tactical operator in the Special Operations Group, which is the, the highest you can go uh, in any policing state in Australia, tactical-wise. Um, but I suppose the reason uh, that I'm speaking to you today, Tom, and the, and the reason that quite a lot of people are keen to connect is actually the, the work that I do with young people. Um, and uh, that work has happened over the last decade, but, but over the last few years has transitioned in my own organisation called JCP Youth. And, uh, and our work is, is working with at-risk and vulnerable young people and, and getting them reformed and turned into not only contributing members of society, but actually turning them into active youth leaders within our community. So that's like a, that's a whole lot of like content all thrown into about a minute and a half. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And like I said, I'm a massive fan of the work you're doing. I think it's really, really cool. So um, I guess, you know, with the work you do, it's clearly, like you mentioned, all about empowering youth. And that's empowering is a word that, you know, really aligns with everything that I stand for, too. I honestly believe that, you know, empowerment is the ultimate platform from which you can build upon everything, essentially. Um, So in regards to the work you're doing now, what was sort of the moment or the series of events that sort of inspired you to um, move towards um, target? getting youth empowerment and development yeah look so when i was at when i was in grade nine as a joke one of my friends actually signed me up to it to an at-risk program on a sign-in sheet and so um, i completely stepped out of my comfort zone to do that but but i've always made a commitment that you know whilst I, i hold a career and a job i'll always contribute to young people so over the last 10 years i've been running youth programs developing youth programs connecting with kids it's it is something that i'm passionate about but you know, it's egotistical for me to say, but I'll say it like I'm good at it as well. I'm good at connecting with street kids. I'm good at connecting with kids who are a bit disengaged. Um, I don't know if it's because of my background growing up or whether it's just because, you know, uh, I, I have special skills or traits in that area. I'm not sure, but but I just, I, I really enjoy that type of work. But but for me, the, the actual empowerment of young people really transitioned in 2019. Um, you know, the start of 2019, I was watching Sunrise, the breakfast TV show. And there was this young boy who had just raped and murdered a young woman at a Melbourne train station. 
And um, the realisation for me was that I'd actually worked with that young boy and he participated in one of my programs for almost two years. Um, and following that, that segment, I followed up with every organisation, every service, every platform, every individual that I'd ran programs for that I'd connected with young people, and I asked one question. Where are those young people now? What are they doing now post the program? Some kids have participated in programs for years, some only for a week, some for months. Not one service, one organisation, one person allocated grants, funding, could ever tell me once the program finished where that young person was now. And so the purpose of JCP and the whole purpose of empowerment was to create a program and create something that was long-lasting and, and was based on individual outcomes. So it wasn't based on the fact that we're going to take a young person out of their environment, teach them this value-based system, teach them these morals, empower them to be the best possible version of themselves, not just reform their youth offending, not just get them back to school, but to actually put them at the front of the pack, you know, um, like soda, you know, exactly what you say, you know, put them literally leading the pack, you know, in order to do that process, it, it, it didn't require a week or a couple of months or just, you know, come on this program, we'll touch base. We wanted to create an intense program that took over their life. You know, people call it breaking the cycle, you know, getting kids who are in generational cycles of crime, generational cycles of poverty within their family and actually breaking that cycle. So the program Beast, which is this logo you see on my jacket, program Beast, this is that's the program that we run and, and that's all about the empowerment of young people. But it was that moment in 2019 that was really the catalyst for me of changing, you know, what we did, the delivery of youth programs, how we connected with young people. You know, quite often it's it, it's all been about take the young person out of their environment, take them away, take them up a mountain, you know, do all this inspiring, empowering stuff with them. But then we just ditch them back in their environment. And that doesn't work because, as you know, Tom, we're, we're heavily influenced by the top five people we spend the most time with. The secret to our program is all we do is take over a young person's top five. We spend more time with them than anyone else. And we actually do that in their environment. So we, we teach them a value-based system inside their own home. We teach it while they're out on the street at 2 a.m. We teach it while they're at their worst moments and when they're at their best as well. So that's that's the benefit of the program uh, that we've created is that there's no end date. There's no, you, you know, there's no getting pushed out. We have not lost one kid yet. We have a 100% success rate of maintaining and retaining every single young person that comes in. And, and the process of the actual program is the empowering part, the content that we deliver and how we go about it. Yeah, that's amazing. And that was actually one of the things that I've gotten written down here was that story you mentioned about, you know, the young kid you saw on Sunrise and you followed up on a couple of the others and found that they weren't quite in the best environments either. So I guess um, yep. I think from my notes, so that sort of triggered you to ask the police force if you could work part time and then more focus on JCP and stuff full time. So do you mind sort of elaborating on what changes you saw needed to be made from what you were doing to now what you're currently doing? Yeah, look, I think for me, I was working full-time as, as a police officer and my role was intense as well. So I was working as a tactical operator. We were responding to high-risk incidents, you know. I suppose people that don't quite understand the structural, um, you know, dimensions of the police is that a tactical operators are like the Australian version of SWAT. So they come in when things get pretty intense. And so that role for me was was really intense and it was something that, you know, running youth programs and contributing to young people was a bit of a hobby. And the realisation for me was that that's not enough. You know, I, I felt a massive sense of guilt, a massive sense of guilt 
when I'd watch that Sunrise TV show because I'd received all this recognition. People were patting me on the back saying, oh, Will Smith runs these programs. What a great guy. You know, oh, he's Will. He's been running these programs. But in reality, the programs meant nothing. In reality, the programs were just providing a fun experience for these young people. And whether I say this, you know, out loud on how I'm going to, I reckon some of the programs we run actually hindered the young people. We showed them a side to life that they could never experience outside of our program. We, we gave them an opportunity to be inspired and empowered and think they could change the world, and then we ditched them back in their environment. And, and the process about JCP was trying to form and create a program where they could maintain living uh, their standard inside their own environment but then lifting the standard in that particular environment, building them up in their environment, empowering them to be the best possible version of themselves while they're still surrounded by the environment that they currently have. Um, so when we first started piecing beasts together and we started putting bits of content and trying to come up with ways to make it happen, you know, it, it was about trying to, to create a program that just stepped outside of the ordinary. It stepped outside of let's just run a program and hope it works and move into let's run a program and know it works and it has to be based on genuine outcomes. It has to be based on this young person that we work with here. They need to literally not just have a good time, not just have a good experience, but we want to change their life. I'll give you an example. When we first started the program back here in Tassie, we selected 10 kids from across the state. We went across the whole state. We selected 10 kids who we thought we could genuinely impact. This year, right now, 2021, those 10 kids, eight of them are student leaders in their school, two are wow. school captains. That's like we're talking about youth offenders, kids who weren't attending school at all, completely disengaged. The two boys who aren't student leaders, one works full-time, has an apprenticeship working full-time. The other boys just change schools and is going really, really well. But when you change schools, you don't get selected as a youth leader because no one knows you. But that's that's the, like, that's a 100% success rate of like reforming genuine youth offenders, genuine at-risk vulnerable people. But that effort is, that's, you know, that's two years of every single day effort of constant contact, you know, actively involving yourself in their life, their home life, their school life, their community life. It's at 2 a.m. in the morning. It's at, you know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's it's whenever. So, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. And I know even from personal experience talking about the power of the you know, environment you're in and the people you hang around, it is probably one of the most valuable resources there is, especially, you know, this time last year, I was living with a couple of guys that, you know, were good mates from school, but, you know, they were all about partying and alcohol and stuff every night when yeah. I'm trying to grow a business and grow a brand. And I just knew I had to get out of there. And since moving, you know, my life has, you know, come along in leaps and bounds. And I've started going to Tony Robbins events and I've met people there and sort of yeah. hang around those people, which is incredible. So I'd love for you to sort of share how you go about changing someone's environment. And if there is any sort mm. of pushback and resistance to it, because I imagine some people wouldn't really want that change. Some definitely would, but I feel like there'd be some that sort of yeah. resist that at first. Yeah, Tom, you're 100% right. Now, one of the prerequisites prerequisites of our program, and this is a disclaimer as well, we don't work with every young person because not every young person suits our particular program. But one of the prerequisites is the young person has to want to do it. So they have to want to participate in the program. And, and that's a big step. In saying that, 
it doesn't mean we disregard kids. You know, eight weeks ago, I had a big win this morning. Like talking about this morning, eight, eight weeks ago, I walked into a house, this kid threw something at me, told me to F off, get out of the house, wasn't interested. I was a dog and a rat and everything. Yeah, it's eight weeks of contact. And finally this morning, he met up with me and he said, you know what? All right, I'm, I'm in. Like, but that's eight weeks of him abusing me, threatening me, throwing stuff at me, you know, trying to smash my car up. I just kept harassing him, messaging him every day, calling him every day, knocking on his door, driving into his driveway. Eventually, eight weeks, he's finally on board, you know. So, you know, getting those kids on board is the first step. Yeah, so to answer your question, Tom, the, the really, really important part of our program is to understand the, the fraction of, of top five. And the top five people you spend the most time with have the heaviest influence on your thoughts, actions, and opinions. So, it's, it's getting young people to understand that what they think inside their head, yes, is their own thought, but that is heavily influenced by the top five people they spend the most time with. What they do, what their physical actions are, what their behaviours are, yep, it's their own choice. It's they choose and decide, but those actions are heavily influenced by the top five people they spend the most time with, much the same as their opinion, what they think of someone or something else. They go to school dragging their feet and think that school's crap. Well, that they're only doing that because they're surrounded by people who are encouraging that behavior. And so it's getting them to understand that once we develop and change their top five, we can heavily influence their thoughts, actions, and opinions. And we relate that down to a whole lot of things. Mental health, we relate it down to offending behaviors. We relate it down to attendance rates at school. We relate it down to absolutely everything. We can't change their environment. So we can't change how they wake up. We can't change who's around them when they wake up. We can't change the, the the community that they live in because that unless we remove a kid out of their environment and bring them up in a completely new environment, we can't do that. Like it's possible for one, two, maybe three kids, but we actually need to start teaching young people coping mechanisms to be positive, healthy, happy versions of themselves and drive success in their environment. It's possible and we do that by purely getting them around the right people. So that, that's one of the core pieces of content for the program. The program itself, Beast, is actually a three-stage program. The first stage is called Stepping Up. It's all about getting young people to step up out of their comfort zones. We push them physically. We push them mentally. They undergo a whole heap of content. We teach them the traits of leadership, which could take up, that could take up three or four weeks just to do that one piece of content. We teach them about learning about their top five. We teach them about how to self-reflect, affirm themselves, how to get in the gym, how to work out, how to get their mind right, how to even meditate, literally everything. And we don't teach them by seeing them down and just running them through a lesson. You know, some of this stuff can take a kid to understand that the top five people they spend the most time with heavily influences them. That short, really short, basic bit of information can take up to three months. It can take up to three months until they can actually explain it back to us and then showcase the people who are in their life around them at the time. So that, that's one of the, the, the heavier, I suppose, influences that we use to empower young people. The second stage of the program is called Stepping Back, and that's all about learning to give back to your community, learning how to reflect, meditate, learning how to take control of your emotion, learning your influence on other people, learning that you're actually in someone else's top five. You know, you have the responsibility of you heavily influencing someone else's thoughts, actions, opinions. And then the last stage is Stepping Forward. So with all this information you've learned over the last year, two years, how do we actually put that in a sustainable way so you can carry it on for the rest of your life? 
you know, I use my mum as an example to the boys. My mum every week's got a new diet. Oh, I'm starting a new diet. She's starting a new diet. This diet will go on for a month or two months or three months, but never, ever, ever has a diet lasted. And so it's it's about, you know, we, this program isn't a diet. It's not about coming and getting inspired and empowered for a short period of time and then hopefully you go well. It's actually about teaching you get inspired, get empowered, but how do you make that sustainable when I leave and step away? When I'm not around, how do you have the integrity to do something when no one else is watching? How are you a good person in your community? How are you the best version of yourself when JCP is not around? And so that's the last stage of the program. Once they finish the program, once they graduate from that, once we're, we're, we're happy to tick them off, they're then invited to come and work with us as a youth leader and they can help inspire and empower other kids by delivering some of the content to other kids in the program. And every single kid that's graduated now works with us as youth leaders. We haven't lost one. So, yeah, we're really, really passionate about providing them that opportunity at the end too. Yeah, that's incredible. And I actually work as a personal trainer, so I know all about those short diets and short fixes <laughs> that people do and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> But yeah, I'd be I'd be curious to know. You touched on meditation there, and that'd be something I'd be interested to know about what you sort of run through with the kids there, because obviously it's something that is still a little bit, you know, some people look at it as like a woo-woo thing, especially for young kids yeah. as well. They're probably going to reject that a lot, and I, I certainly would have at that age as well. So, um, talk to me about the sort of the types of meditations you do with these kids and how you get them to actually commit to it. Well, when I suggest meditation to young people, I can tell you, Tom, they have the exact same reaction. They do not want to participate in it at all. Meditation for us is not about going and sitting in a field and, um, you know, getting all zen and spending three hours doing it. For, for us, um, we we have to understand exactly what you said, and that is that young people aren't interested in it. Young people don't have time to meditate. We throw in all the activity of life throw in all your at-risk behaviours and, and, and influence around you and then add technology on top, we don't have a spare minute in our day. So, you know, meditation for us is learning about how to breathe quietly in the environment that you're at. So it's about before you make a decision, let's take 60 seconds to get in the right posture to sit and actually just listen to yourself breathe and that's it. So we don't delve into meditation to the point where kids go off and they're dressed in the full monk suit and they're, you know, they're meditating for hours on end. But but it's about teaching them that each and every day we must allocate time for our personal development. And you cannot personally develop whilst you have the whole world buzzing around you. You have to take time to be able to literally sit and create focus. You know, I was in, in Melbourne on the weekend and we meditated uh, in uh, the square. What's the square in Melbourne across from the train station? I'm not good with that. It's Federation Square, is it? Fed Square, yeah, something like that. Yeah, right, right, yeah, right in the middle of middle of Melbourne. We ju- we just went across to the bar. It was a whole heap of stuff happening. There was a footy game. There's people everywhere, and and I had a mate that uh, I was actually helping out. He's struggling a bit with his mental health, and so we sat there and was trying to get him to understand that you don't have to be somewhere quiet to take a moment to yourself. You know, let's sit here. We got up from that. We probably spent maybe eight nine minutes doing it. Got up. We felt the best. I just felt great. He got up and was like, what the hell? I feel really, really good. All it is was taking that time just to listen to your breathing in, out, you know, creating a core focus. What am I about to do for the next half an hour, hour, the rest of my day? You know, we we speak about, um, you know, creating peaks of the day, creating pits of the day. You know, what what what's the peak coming up? You know, don't start the day and go, right, this is, this is what I want to achieve. You know, start the day and go, in the morning, this is what I'm going to do. And then stop. 
have time to breathe, reflect, regain yourself. Because if you've had a crap start to the day, you don't want to carry that on for the rest of the day. You've got to make sure that as you move and transition forward, you're taking those times to reset and really breathe. And that, that's just one aspect of the program for young people is really important because especially kids from trauma backgrounds and kids that, you know, wake up in really crappy environments, as they transition in and out of the environments, it's important them, important for them to learn to take the time, whether it's 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute max, to be able to stop, breathe in, refocus, what, what are we achieving here? If I'm going to go into this bloke's house, you know, what am I actually getting? Am I going to go in there and smoke drugs or am I going to go in, pick up this thing that I need to pick up and then get out so I can go on to what my peak of the day is going to be? You know, we've got to avoid those pits, got to avoid the pits. Yeah, I love that. That's really awesome, man. So another thing I'm curious on is where do you find that people struggle the most? Is it a lack of a quality role model and leadership in their life or is it something else that sort of causes them to become disempowered? I think um, for a lot of our kids, a lot of people ask this question, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, what's what makes a kid at risk or what makes a young person vulnerable and every single person's different. You know, this morning, about three-hour drive from here, I was with a young person who's from a very wealthy family. He's from, he's got good influences around him. His family are great influences, but he's probably one of our most highly at-risk kids. Why is he highly at risk? I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't know. There's other kids that I can tell you straight up. Yeah, this kid has watched his mother, you know, die. He's watched his father pass away. He's watched siblings die. He's been involved and been in an active war zone. You know, there's a lot of kids with reasons. There's a lot of kids without. They all differ. I just think that everyone deals with experiences differently. And quite often we try and find an answer. We want to go, you know, why is that person acting that way? For me, I think it's important for me to mention as well for people listening that one of the first things I say to a young person is that I'm not interested in who they are. I'm not interested in what they've done. I'm not interested in who they've been. I'm not interested in who they've impacted. I'm only interested in who that person is right now at this very moment and what that person can produce in the future. Our program, and we're really blunt on this, which is, you know, some people will take offence, but we're, you know, one of the things about our program is we don't focus on the past. So if you have trauma and you want to go to counselling and you want to see a psychologist, that's not us. So you, you, we encourage you to reach out to those services. But my pure and only focus is, this person standing in front of me, what potential you've got, what I can do with that potential moving forward. So quite often, like I make this joke, but it's legitimately true. Over the last nine months, I haven't heard one kid in my program swear. Not, I know they swear, but they just they do not swear on the program. I've never told a kid ever on the whole entirety of the program, I've never told a kid to go to school. I've never told a kid not to commit an offence. What we do is we provide leadership programs, we provide empowerment, and a byproduct of that is that they go to school. A byproduct is they don't swear. We create a culture and environment that they step into and they mirror image it. So I think quite often what kids lack, and to answer the question, is that kids lack that mirror imaging. They lack the environment where they want to. The kid this morning from the really wealthy background, he doesn't want to mirror image his mum and his dad. He doesn't want to mirror image his siblings. So when I rock up there, he's straight backed, keen, ready to go, doesn't swear. This is a kid that two days ago stole a car, drove it into a ditch, and then when the police rocked up, he threw his bomb at him. And so I rock up, this kid's not swearing, he's respectful, he's getting in the car, He, you know, 
we're going to sit down, we're going to do a bit of meditation. Yeah, no problem, all good. And the mum's standing there going, what the hell is going on, you know? And and it's because the kid wants to mirror image, mate. Um, and, and that's for a range of reasons that we've built and developed over time. But but it's all, for me, it's, you have to be around someone that you want to mirror image. It's the same with your top five. You've got a crap top five unless you've got people in there that you feel uncomfortable around. If you're going to walk into a room and the top five people you spend the most time with are in there and you're happy to sit, chill, be comfortable, it's a crap top five. You want to walk into a room and have people that you feel uncomfortable, people that you want to impress, people that you want to do good things in front of, people that you don't, you really don't want them to hear the bad stuff. And we play that role for young people. Young people do not want us to know if they muck up, they make a mistake. They want us to do what they want us to hear and be a part of all the good stuff. And we just make that the priority. Yeah. I, yeah. I 100% agree with that, man. That's just incredible. And I, like I said, I'm just so in awe of the work you're doing. It's amazing. And another thing that I found quite amazing when I was sort of doing some research on you as well is I think it was in 2019, if I get my dates right, you actually traveled to the Middle East and did some works uh, with some at-risk youth there. So talk to me about this experience and what you took away from that, that you're now applying to the programs you run today. Yeah, look, this, this experience probably this this really had a lot of fundamentals to adding a lot of value and content to the program. So um, my mum still hates me for this, but I, uh, I convinced my parents to drop me at the airport one day and I told them I was going somewhere. Uh, and in fact, I was going to a war zone in the Middle East. I'd been notified by the Australian government that I, uh, that I shouldn't go. And then when I forced it a bit, I told them that I would fly into Lebanon. And uh, there's a sort of a no travel zone just above Beirut in Lebanon. And um, they advise that if you go into this area, we don't come and get you. So, you know, don't go to do not travel zone. Uh, the intention was that I wanted to run some of this content in this program with kids who I consider to be the most at risk and vulnerable kids in the world. That, I, w- I wanted to know that it wasn't just going to work with a street rat or Ishae kid down here in Tassie. I wanted to know that what we were doing actually could work anywhere. So um, I, I intended to fly to the Middle East with a friend, but. Um, I ended up being the only person going. Um, and the experience was, yeah, pretty unbelievable. You know, there was times where it got quite hectic and scary. We actually travelled into areas uh, up into Syria. Um, we travelled into, into areas in the Middle East. Syria, you know, for those that don't know, has been in a civil war for almost a decade. Um, there's, it's actually the highest recruitment area for Islamic State uh, in the world at the moment. We actually travelled into those areas. Um, and the purpose was to try and, uh, try and interact with young people who were at risk of Islamic State recruitment. So kids who were being actively targeted or who were susceptible to being targeted to Islamic State recruitment or some type of terrorist activity because that's the worst influence that you could possibly get to see if our influence could draw them away from that. So we we used the banner of soccer teams. So we thought if we create soccer teams, that's going to be the attraction for young people in and then we can try and influence and impact them once we have their attention. Um, so we work with 263 young people um, and uh, we created soccer teams, we created soccer tournaments, and it was a raging success. Kids wanted to participate. They wanted to engage in content. Um, for me personally, it's uh, we engaged locals to continue the work once I left. Um, you know, for young people over there, they're not allowed to participate in public sport. They're not allowed to participate in education. So it was quite a dangerous trip. Um, and we were in areas that weren't controlled by government. You know, we're in areas that were controlled by terrorist-related groups, and and you know there was there was some pretty hectic and sketchy times. Um, but we made a massive impact, and 
unfortunately due to COVID, we we our follow-up plan to go back over and, and to continue and grow that work has been put at a standstill. We know that there's been conflict in areas that we worked in. We know that some kids have lost their lives. We know that some kids are now further displaced. But but our but our goal is that, you know, we do intend to to continue that type of work because, you know, it it's not good enough that we just influence the young people in and around our circles. If we have something good and it works, we need to be taking it to the people that really, really need it too. Yeah, big credit to you, man. That's incredible. And I guess, is that the goal of JCP is to go, you know, more national and more global over time? Well, so JCP, um, one of the biggest hurdles we had to overcome was that uh, I still funded the program to start. So I actually sold my house, I sold my car, I sold most of my belongings, wow. and we funded it to run this program. Yeah, still now I don't have a house. I live a transient life. For the last <laughs> three years I travel around uh, and I actually don't have a house. Funny thing, after this Zoom meeting, believe it or not, I'm going to look at a house uh, <laughs> to move into for the first time in three years, which is pretty crazy. Um, and I'm quite excited about it. So I think um, w- one of the things with JCP, the biggest hurdles we had to overcome was that we didn't have any money to run the program and we didn't want to accept grants and funding. The reason being to start with is because if we accept, for instance, a million dollars to run this program, what happens when that million dollars runs out? What happens to the young people? What we are then is we're just a service or an organisation that's done the exact same as every single other service and organisation. We run a program and then when it finishes, we wipe our hands, we get the recognition and the kids are left in the ditch. The purpose is we wanted to create a model where we could actually service these young people for a sustainable long period of time. So what we do is we split JCP and Beast into two. So JCP as a whole JCP, actually, we actually now package the content that we deliver to at-risk kids. So we've packaged it and we deliver it in schools. So we go into schools and we go, in two years, we deliver all this content to our kids and it's changed their life. We're going to give it to you all in one day. So we'll work with 150 kids, 200 kids in a room, and we will give them all the content. And we've had massive results. Kids who aren't at risk, kids who aren't vulnerable, they're jumping on this content and they're literally making huge changes in their life. What we do is because this is so successful in running these leadership programs, we're now able to self-fund our own beast program due to the profits of it. So we've got a team of four staff that travel around and deliver these programs. We're actually looking at heading over to New Zealand soon and being able to deliver programs in New Zealand. We're wanting to branch out. COVID's restricted us from getting on the mainland. We want to branch out to schools on the mainland and offer this content to them. And what happens is schools pay for these for these unbelievable programs, but we then get to deliver the content of it to all our at-risk and vulnerable kids, which in turn is like a cycle. It gets all the attendance rates of the kids up through the roof, gets these kids back on track, positively contributing. The schools are now contributing through benefiting their own students to kids that are now on the street. It's a, it's a great cycle for me. So um, it's just about being able to create, you know, the purpose of JCP was, yeah, to create, and replicate what we did in the Middle East and grow it and try and build our brand up. But it's also about impacting all young people. You know, I can deliver this program to a highly at-risk kid. You know, we worked with a young person who's been to a detention centre 26 times, over 250 court outcomes, 16 years of age, comes out, has no parents in the foster care system, not attending any foster care homes, spent most of his life on the street. This kid, one of the worst youth offenders in the state, Three years on from that day we started working with him, has not committed one offence. Like, 
we can change a young person's life. Imagine if we started giving the content to kids who, who don't need it as much. Imagine what a kid who is already surrounded by a good top five, good support network, already going to school, you know, already pushing towards dreams and goals. Imagine what they can do with some of this content that's empowering, inspiring other kids who are literally changing their lives around. So um, the purpose is, yes, we want to grow JCP as a brand. And we want to grow it nationwide. We want to grow it across the world so we can get the content out. We want to get our content. We develop, we sit at your table over here at this office and we develop content. What's real raw content? Not happy clappy, not stuff that, you know, is like that looks good on a stage or that sounds good or is an exciting story, but what's real content that we can give kids and change their life and then deliver it to our kids, change their life with it, and then give it to all kids through seminars. So we, we want to make it big. The Beast program itself, because it's so intense, because it's so much, it's a lot of face-to-face, the growth of the Beast program is something that will be a bit limited. You know, we, we'll grow it as much as we can here in Tassie and maybe other parts around Australia, but the growth will be slow because we, we can't lose the success of the outcomes. You know, we're not just going to accept a thousand kids because someone's given us 40 million bucks. You know, it has to be all based on the right people delivering it, the right content, the right kids at the right time. And so it has to be based on outcomes, not just a fun experience. Yeah, that's awesome, Brona. That's it's definitely something I wish I had when I was at school because I know that would have, you know, saved me a lot of stress and somewhat trauma when I first left school and stuff, which, you know, I don't necessarily look back on that and you know think it's a bad thing because it's helped me to develop into the person I am now but at the same time you know it would have been awesome to learn all these skills and things at a young age too and it would you know like you mentioned empower not just the people sort of that are at risk but the people that already have a higher baseline it's going to help them to um, grow and go to the next level as well which is awesome so um, another thing I wanted to touch on too which you've already mentioned is that value-based system um, that you sort yep. of implement with the youth. And that's something that I'm quite passionate about as well, especially um, I know I've been to a couple of Tony Robbins events over the past 12 months, and he's a massive fan of setting your values. And I've even got my poster in front of me here now, and we've got our towards values and our away values. We write a list of the things we want to go towards and the things we want to try and avoid. But I'd be curious to Love know um, sort of what your take on the value-based system is and what are the values you try to implement into everyone you teach? You know, I think that um, that's you've actually put it in a really good way. <laughs> Maybe I need to say go on a Tony Robbins events because so what what we do we identify the at risk and vulnerable kids. They have a really strong value based system, but their values like the number one value of an at risk young person is loyalty. You know, their values though can be susceptible to a, to, to bad influence. So you can be really loyal and you can have a really strong value of being loyal, but you loyal to the wrong person or the wrong thing. And so I love how you've just put that you can, you know, have values that you want to move away from, values you move towards. Um, I've never actually, yeah, I've never thought of it that way, but that's a really good way to put it. For, for us, we one of the, the, the core values that we try and instill in young people is integrity. And, and we define integrity as doing something that is good when no one else is watching. If we can get a young person, if we can get a young person to live out the value of integrity. So to do what we teach them when no one's watching, when I'm not around, when no one else is around, when there's no recognition, when, you know, when we can get them to do that, that's the goal on the aim. But we do a lot of work on values because we must get young people to understand the value of themselves. We must get them to understand the value of other people around them, but then the core traits that make up their value. 
you know, young people will often tell you, you know, tell me the greatest thing about you. Nothing. I don't know. I can't think of anything. I'm, you know, so just to get them to understand their value and then what represents that value, you know, are they honest? Are they, you know, do they have integrity? Are they loyal? You know, what are those core values? And then what, how can we build on each of those core values? If you're an honest person, let's build on that. Let, let's let's use that honesty towards a good, and, and we probably overcomplicate it. What you've done there, Tom, is probably just provide an avenue of, you know, values you move towards, values you move away from. We probably overcomplicate it a bit, but it's just identifying that everyone has different values as well. Where my definition of leadership is that leadership is, is action or influence that makes our community a better place. You know, you can be the quietest person in a room, but you can still be the strongest leader just by your influence and action. You know, you don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. You don't you don't have to be the most important person in the room to be a leader, you know, purely by action and influence. Your influence on other people and your actions, you know, that guides you as a, intrinsically as a person for us. That's what we teach young people. So that's our core definition that we get them to move towards. Take control and responsibility of all your actions. Take control and responsibility of all your influence. You know, how you influence other people, other people's influence on you, all of that. Does that sort of answer your question? Yeah, 100%. And I love what you mentioned there about the leadership too, because that's something that Tony Robbins speaks about again, is the world needs more leaders. And that's kind of what you're teaching in your programs as well, is not only are you getting people from, you know, below baseline, back to baseline and empowering them to go further, but you're teaching them to lead, especially like what you said at the start with those eight kids, six of them are school captains and stuff like that. That's a prime example of people that are now in leadership positions. Yeah, 100%. And for us, you know, a lot of the kids will strive towards a leadership position because they want to, it's their show of recognition, but it's not something we push towards. We don't say to kids, you know, we want you to be a student leader. We just find that once they start being empowered and they start creating these goals, we, we talk about creating new normals. Well, you know, I've got one young boy who, you know, he's, he's a recognised national youth leader. But about 18 months ago, he was, a, you know, in his words, a street rat, you know, not attending school, not doing anything. But he gets no recognition from me. I never congratulate him. What happens is we start on something small. Not going to school at all, just go for one day. You don't have to respect anyone. You don't have to do any work. You don't have to do anything at all. Just go to school, get the tick next to attendance. Once he does that, he's created a new normal. If you can do it once, you can continue to do it. All right. There's, there's no congratulations. There's no high fives. Well done, you went to school. Mate, you did it. So that's it. That's your new normal now. And then we just create new normals every day. If you can do it, you can do it. If you do something big, sure, I might say, hey, well done, I'm proud of you. But at the end of the day, if you're just doing stuff that other people are doing, then all you're doing is just creating a new normal for yourself. So don't, there's no pats on the back or going home and thinking, oh, you know, I'm a great version of myself. You're just, you've just leveled up. You've just created a new normal. But leveling up doesn't mean that you're great. It just means you're doing something someone's already doing. And, and you can just keep going on that path until you get to where you want to get to. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's um. Yeah, again, I'm just just so pumped listening to you talk about that. It's really, really inspiring. <laughs> and something else I find quite cool as well is I know you've um, talked in the past about stripping people's bedrooms. When you sort of go in there and help the kids, you'll strip their bedroom out and put new things in. And that kind of took me back to yep. 
when I was a kid, like I kid you not, all four walls, including the ceiling as well, was just full of posters of like footy players and cricket players because that was kind of my thing and they were my heroes that I was looking up to. But I'd be curious to know um, what you sort of, what you do with the kids when you go into their bedrooms and strip them. I imagine it's obviously a literal thing, but also metaphorical as well. You're kind of going into their minds and stripping them, um, stripping their home as well and replacing it with new values and things like that. So if you don't mind expanding on that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Like it's about understanding that we can't change their their environment. If they're actually, we can't change the building they live in, but we can change the influence in it. So you know, whilst we can't replace a family member, we can still have a positive influence on a family member. Get the family member to be influenced and inspired by that young person. So if I walk into a room and I'm trying to impact this young person with this quote about integrity or you know i'm looking at a quote up here everybody wants to be a beast until it's time to do what real beasts do you know that's a common quote that you know circles around the internet you know i want a kid to wake up and read that quote every morning i want them to wake up and not even look at the poster because they've read it that much and so we go into a room anything that's irrelevant in the room is this is this something that's part of your new normal is this is this the best version of you if it's not get rid of it i'm not interested in it oh you got a kid the other day out of poster of Fortnite. He's like, don't take my Fortnite poster down. I said, but you're not playing Fortnite anymore. We're done with that. <laughs> we're moving on. We're, 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 we're walking towards success. So the Fortnite poster is going down. I'm throwing it out. You can put my poster up. You know, so why have a Fortnite poster up on the wall? Who are you impressing with that? You know, no one's in your bedroom. You're 13 years old. Let's get the Fortnite poster down. Let's get something up that's making you the best version of you. And so, yeah, we go into bedrooms. Like, I'm telling you, like, we don't do this with all our kids, but some of our kids, like, we will pull every single bit of clothing out of their wardrobe and we will wash it in detergent that we use. Like that's how intense sometimes it gets. And some people think that's weird and strange and really overbearing, but you must understand that for us, we try and influence any aspect we can, you know, with any aspect we can. Kids that don't clean and don't shower themselves will rock up at, in the morning, get the get in the shower, go, mum, where are you? Where's mum? Mum, come down here. Every morning you're going to stand here, you're going to, Tell him to get in the shower. He's not going to school without having a shower. When he gets out of the shower, boom, we've got some cologne, we've got deodorant, make yourself smell good, feel good, walk out of the house and feel like the best version of yourself. You know, you know, it's all about creating every, even small elements in their day. Kids that are showered, that smell good, that feel good when they walk out of their house, they want to go to school. They want people to see them. They want people to smell them. They want people to go, oh, wow, you, you know, like you seem fresh today. And they walk into school. They're a bit more positive. They're a bit more up and about. You know, so it's all about creating that environment for them, showcasing them. They can still walk out of the, the you know, as the heights they call it here in Tassie, or they can still walk out of the, you know, I won't say the suburbs' names, but they can walk out of the shitty suburbs and walk into their school and still feel like they're the best version of themselves. But it's just supplying them and putting those small processes in place. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's, yeah, like I said, you know, for me, it was really inspiring having all of those posters around me as a kid and stuff. And, um, you know, it really helped me to feel empowered every morning because I'd wake up, yeah. and, you know, see Ricky Ponting and Michael Clark and Michael Hussey and all these people around me. It just what made me want to get out there and kill the day. So um, I think that's yep. a really important thing that you do there. It's, yeah, super inspiring. Yeah, thanks, Tom. So, um, yeah, before I, fi- uh, before I ask my final two questions, where can people find all of your content, access the websites, access the programs, all of that stuff? Yeah, 100%. So um, we're redeveloping our website because it's quite immature at the moment. I suck at admin and so do most of the people we work with because we're always on the road traveling. 
So you can go to jcpyouth.com.au. That's our website. We'll, we'll be updating that with all our programs, camps, and, and it's not just kids that can join the BEAST program. We're opening spots for you know development camps and a whole range of different programs and leadership opportunities. So people can jump on there. You can follow us on Facebook, JCP Empowering Youth, and Instagram, which is JCP Youth as well. So, yeah, jump around it. Perfect. I'll have all the links to those in the show notes for everyone to check out as well. So um, first of the last two questions. So like I sort of spoke to you about um, before we started the podcast as well, um, this podcast is called The Soda Process, and it's all about helping people live a life that is state-of-the-art, which is a life above modern standards. So I'd be interested to know, in your opinion, what does it look like to live a life that is state-of-the-art? Yeah, well, big question. All right, I'm not prepared for this one. But oh, my, my best answer to that, my best answer to that, and I was talking to a kid um, a couple of days ago, similar similar question. I think for me, you know, the, the kid that I was talking to said to me, like, you don't live anywhere. Like, you you know, you're, you're transient, you're everywhere. Like, we see you at the top end of the state and all of a sudden you're here having lunch with me. What's going on? For, for me, I think if you're living, you know, a state-of-the-art life, it's about when you wake up, you're passionate about something. You've, you've got to be passionate. Like if you're working in a job that you're not passionate about, do something after work that you're passionate about. For me, living a state-of-the-art life is 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 right down to the fundamentals of, of what our program is. If you've got values, you must live them. You know, like one of the first things we do with our employees that come in here is that you can't work here unless you live your daily life what we teach young people. All right, you, you can't come in here and inspire and empower young people, then go out on the weekend and get on the piss and you know start doing stupid stuff. But I'm not interested in that. Like that, that that life's not for everyone. So like it's all about you have to live out the values that you stand by and take responsibility for that. If your values are poor and that's and you're happy for you to have poor values, then that's on like just take responsibility for that, own up to it, like just step up. Like that's just you've just got to take responsibility. If you don't have values, you've got to find some. You've got to have something to, to, to live by, to stand by. Once, once you have that core value-based system and you're passionate about something, gardening, music, football, whatever it is, helping people, whatever your passion is, once you've got something you're passionate about and you've got core values, I think people will just find their state-of-the-art life. It just happens. Like if, if you're waking up and going, making decisions like this, I'm not going to do that because that doesn't align with my values. I'm going to do that because it aligns with my values. And you're also passionate about something you'll end up in areas that you never thought possible. Yeah, 100%. Man, that is one of the best answers I've ever had to that question. That is, yeah, it's super powerful. I can already <laughs> see I'm just going to take that snippet out and make it some Instagram and Facebook content because that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. No, that was really good. So, that was impromptu um, too. I wasn't worried. <laughs> I'm worried for the last question now. I'm worried. <laughs> no, this one, this will be good. So final question, what is the ultimate impact you want to have on those you serve? Okay. Um, the ultimate impact for me, you know, um, I, I had a, a phone call this week, a guy that I'd worked with for two years, um, who I haven't seen in seven years, asked me to be the best man at his wedding. And he said to me that no matter, uh, I said, are you sure, mate? Because I know you've got best friends. Like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen you in seven years. He said, those two years of my life that, that, I, that I spent with you, those two years of being part of your footy team, this, kid, this was not a guy that come through a program. It's just someone I hung out with. He said, those two years changed my life. Like being able to be around someone and, and to be empowered and, and, and to live a life, I want you, like you have to represent me at the most important moment of my life. For me, the change, that creating that change 
through the service that I give. Like it has to be about getting these young people. To be honest, like I'm going to steal you here, Tom. Like to live us to live their state of the art life. You know, I said to a kid this morning, he's you know he's having a bit of a sook because he's worried about the fact that you know when he leaves school, he doesn't know what he wants to do. All these kids want to be doctors and lawyers and teachers. And I said, mate, it doesn't matter if you're working at Macca's. I don't care. I said, what I care about is you're living to your values and you're passionate about something. You're happy. You know, that's all that matters. Every, your success is not driven by what you do. Your success is driven by who you are. We just want these young people to be good people. That's it. We just want them to be good people. And good people is they're happy. And by making good choices, sticking their values, all this content, they're not going to carry all this content throughout their life. They're not going to have peaks and pits each and every day and learn to stop, start, continue each and every day. I understand that. I'm realistic that, you know, a lot of the content they won't continue through. But they need that content right now, which helps them when they're, when they're you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I said to a young boy the other day, he goes, like, I, I'm not planning to make it past 17. I said, mate, well, I'll tell you, my plan is I'm coming to knock on your door when you're 34, meet your wife, your kids. Like, oh, I'm coming in. You'll be getting me a drink, free drink. Like, you know, you'll be repaying a favor or two. You know, you've got to, we've got to break that mindset. You know, this kid's genuine too. This kid's genuine. Like, you know, I'm living my life. I'm going to 17. Like, if I make it to 17, I'm happy. You know, we, we have to keep these kids alive. We have to get them actively involved in something and we have to get them happy. But that doesn't happen unless we do the foundations right. And for me, all we focus on is those foundations because once we get that right, they fix the rest. It's like what I said about going to school. We don't tell kids to go to school. We don't tell kids to stop stealing cars. They do that as a byproduct of our work down the bottom. Yeah. Man, that is so incredible. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks, Tom. I really appreciate you having me. I hope everyone has a great afternoon. Hey, Sotarians. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Now, just quickly before you leave, please head over and subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll know exactly when the next episode is out so you never miss a beat. And also make sure you head over and give the podcast a review as well. That's going to help us to grow and expand the show and get your feedback on exactly what you want to hear from us, what guests you want us to get on, and how we can improve the overall listening experience for yourself. Now, if you took some value from this episode, please make sure you take a screenshot and post it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag myself at Coach Tom Evans and at The Soda Process so that we know you're listening and can get some instant feedback from the show. Also, while you're there, be sure to check out the awesome show notes we have down below. We've got a couple of different partners that are offering some awesome discounts on some products specifically for you as a listener of the podcast. All right, guys, you know what to do. It's time to get out there, define your greatness and be state of the art.